Should I be deferring more in my 401k? Should I be doing more Roth? Should I do conversions? Should I not do conversions? Am I a small business owner? How do I set this up? Does an S corp make any sense anymore? Should I switch to a C corporation? If I'm a partnership, do I go to an LLC? So what structure of business do I want to have if I'm a small business owner? Sure. What type of business do you have? Is it a service business? It then No, that doesn't apply. It's like, what? It, is it, it doesn't make any sense sometimes. And that's just a short list of questions that come up as a result of President Donald Trump's new tax law the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe and Big Al discuss the changes to deductions, tax brackets, the child tax credit, charitable contributions, alternative minimum tax, small business taxes, and a whole bunch more. Plus, the top things no one tells you about retiring, Social Security claiming strategies, and do Roth TSP and traditional TSP dollars commingle? What exactly does that mean, and what happens if they do? Now, kicking off the final episode of Your Money, Your Wealth for 2017 with the Ghosts of Joe's Christmas Past, or Oh sh- Ruthie Stole Baby Jesus, here are Joe Anderson CFP and Big Al Clopine CPA. This week, once again, we're talking taxes, but I think we might narrow it down to what the heck is really going on out there. And yes. we can get some clarity. We, well, we do have some clarity, at least some clarity. I mean, not all is known in this new tax bill that uh, the House and Senate have uh, approved. There's some big changes, and you're right. I think the last big change was 1986, the Tax Simplification Act under Ronald Reagan. But Joe, I think first of all, I want to I want to say happy holidays to all of our listeners out there. Happy Hanukkah, happy Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, whichever it may be. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Joe, did you know? Merry birthday. Merry birthday. Yeah. Did you know that um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little. Uh, little background here. Hanukkah, it's an eight-day festival of lights. Uh, the dates, which actually shifts slightly every year because the Hebrew calendar and the Gregorian calendar do not exactly align. So it began actually on December 12th of this year. It's actually already over. By the time you're listening to this, it ended on December 20th. And uh, it's, it's, it came about thousands of years ago. A Syrian king wanted all the Jews who were part of his kingdom to drop their Jewish culture and follow Greek customs. And as you might imagine, the, uh, the Jewish people did not want to adopt the Greek culture, and they decided to fight back against the Syrian king in defense of their religion and culture. And during the rebellion, a Jewish temple was ransacked, the supply of oil contained in it was destroyed, but the Jewish people won the rebellion and celebrated their victory for eight days. Hence, that's Hanukkah. Christmas, I think a lot of us know about that. That's the birth of Jesus. But Kwanzaa, do you know what Kwanzaa is all about? I'll tell you. Thank you. <laughs> it starts on December 26th. It goes through January 1st. Uh, it translates, Kwanzaa translates to fruits first from Swahili. Uh, it's a seven-day holiday that's celebrated by African Americans and Africans throughout the world. And unlike Christmas and Hanukkah, Kwanzaa is not a religious holiday. It was ab- actually established in 1966 to uh, encourage the celebration of African heritage and gatherings between families and friends uh, is, is what happens. Uh, people get together uh, for unity, self-determination, collective work, and uh, responsibility. So that's, that's Kwanzaa. So happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, and happy Kwanzaa. There you go. All right. Thank you, Al, for that little um, lesson in something else. Okay. What do we What do we got here? 
Did, were you aware that there's a, a woman in Vermont that displays more than 1,400 nativity scenes in her home each year? Almost makes the trip to Vermont worthwhile over Christmas. Now, do you have a nativity set? Do you know what a nativity set is? Uh, no. <laughs> that's, it's, it's, that's where you have the little barn and Joseph and Mary and the little baby Jesus and the donkeys. And oh, the yeah. No, I do things. have a story about one of those, though. You do? Yes. I, I was I was just trying to think. I think we have, I know we have at least one because it's up and it's in our house right now. But um, anyway, we probably have two or three, but not fourteen hundred. That's that's impressive. Fourteen hundred. Fourteen hundred. She kind of transforms her home into a museum, and she has. Uh, She's gonna have a pretty big home. She well, I guess. I mean, it says a modest home. I don't know what that means, but she welcomes uh, school uh, children church groups, and other visitors by appointment. So maybe there's still time if we can get over there, yeah. get an appointment. You know, th- there's a lot of um, plays going on now. Sure. You know, um, for school and church and so on. I was a shepherd. Oh, you were a shepherd? Oh, yeah. I was oh, nice. a shepherd back in, um, I don't know, I was probably in fourth grade. Okay. Something like that. that. Was that for the play or was that for church? No, it was a church play. Church play. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, it was Christmas. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Sure. So yeah. I'm dressed up as the shepherd. Yeah. That makes sense. And uh, my line oh, was. Oh, line. Yeah, I had a line. Okay. This was my first line of stardom. <laughs> and my line was, it was, well, let's go s- see what glorious thing has been done. Something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because we were hiking to see the birth of Christ or Got the baby it. Jesus. Okay. And so I totally blew it, totally botched it. Yeah. I went, let's go see what has done wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and so what were you supposed to say? I was supposed to say, well, it was like the birth of Christ. Yeah. It was like, hey, let's go see this wonderful thing that has happened. Let's go see what's been done wrong. <laughs> yes. And then I said, oh, oh yes. yes. No, you did Yes, I did. In church, right in the microphone. In a church play? Yes, at fourth grade. <laughs> My parents were mortified. Oh, boy. Oh, it was, yeah, that walk home, like the church was a couple bet, blocks. Did you get any laughs, though? Uh, I don't know. I was you're, petrified. You are embarrassed. Yeah, yes. That's, that was the start of your start. Yeah, that was. You were destined for radio. I was destined for point. radio after not, that. Not plays. No, you not plays. You never got another chance, right? Yes, I'm not a thespian. <laughs> yeah, it, so there was this one Christmas we had at my um, my aunt's house. Yeah. And um, no one really wanted to go because she had this apartment in not a very good part of town, right? And she had the she rented out the poke, you know, the, the party room. Was this in Minnesota? Yeah, this was yeah. in Minnesota. Okay, right yeah. N- up north Minnesota. Okay, so the whole family, you know, mom and dad, my brother, sister, cousins, aunt, and uncles, right? Yeah. We're all gathering in this party room, and yeah. there was some adult beverages that were taken part by my um, family, my aunt, uncles, and mother and father. And so we were leaving. And so I was, I don't know, I was probably, I don't know, maybe in high school. Right. And there's one of these, what is it called? The things with the the shepherds and the wise men and baby Jesus around? The one that oh, she's the, got 14,000 of them? The nativity. The nativity set, mm-hmm. right? But it was wired with a, an alarm system. Right. Because it's not in a very good part of town. I see. It's so if someone wanted to steal, uh, like a, <laughs> a wise piece. man, like uh, a, a yeah. piece of a, the nativity set, or baby Jesus, that would be <laughs> the thing. What I went right, right. And so we're leaving, <laughs> and so I went to my mother, Ruthie, and I right. was like, "Hey, Ruthie, 
I think would be really cool if we took a picture of you holding baby Jesus. And she's like, oh, I think that would be wonderful. Sure. So she picks it up. So she picks up the baby Jesus. Right. And next thing you know, (laughs) (laughs) the alarms start going. Like, oh, my God. And then she's freaking out. She's holding baby Jesus. County sheriff shows up. Yep. Yeah, security's out. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, yeah, she was going to steal baby Jesus. I can just see that county sheriff, Ruthie. What are you not, doing? Not again. Yeah, she almost, yeah, she almost went not, to the clink just it, by uh, not again. holding well, baby Jesus. In case you're interested, Shirley Squires uh, is the Vermont lady. Uh, the article just came out in Associated Press on December 21st. 1,400 nativity scenes in Vermont. Wow. 1,400. Yes. That's a lot, Al. It is. That is quite a bit. That's it. Next year, I want to spend Christmas with Joe and Ruthie. They clearly know how to have an exciting holiday. Now, we're about to get into how tax reform is going to affect your retirement plan. And the problem with your current advisor or stockbroker is you're probably only getting one small sliver of the entire retirement story. That's a problem because chances are you're missing the most significant pieces of the retirement puzzle. In order to retire successfully and comfortably, you need the whole story and everything needs to work together. You can see that with our personalized assessment. There's no cost or obligation, and you've got absolutely nothing to lose. In this customized face-to-face meeting, you'll discover concrete steps to mitigate your risk, simple strategies to convert your savings into income in retirement, how to avoid the retirement tax trap that could needlessly cost you tens of thousands of dollars in taxes, penalties, and fees, and how to protect everything you work for from the surprising cost of health care, Medicare, and long-term care. Plus, how to avoid the simple retirement planning mistakes that could cost you thousands. This analysis is ideally suited for people who are recently retired or retiring in the next five to ten years. If you learn one thing in this meeting, it could change everything. Get yours by calling 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. Don't leave anything to chance. Call right now. 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. You know, major tax reform doesn't happen every day. No, it doesn't. Every 30 years or so. And I think we finally got a little... um, I I would say on the individual side, it's not reform. It's probably tax tweaks, if you will. Uh, But I think on the corporate side, it's definitely um, some significant changes. There's some some big changes, and you're right. I think the last big change was 1986, the Tax Simplification Act under Ronald Reagan. This is called the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And this was uh, actually passed by our Senate on December 19th and the House on December 20th. Most importantly, though, is virtually all provisions take effect on January 1st, 2018. In other words, next month, uh, 2018. And I would say this, Joe, the majority of taxpayers will probably pay less in taxes, although there are many exceptions. One of the exceptions, uh, we're recording this in California, and if you're in California with mid to high income, you potentially will pay a little bit more tax because of the loss of the state and local tax deduction. But I I think I just want to highlight some of the major provisions because we've been talking about this the last several weeks and it's it's hard to talk about because every week it's it's something different. But this is now this is now what it's going to be uh, is we'll have seven tax brackets, the lowest rates ten percent, the highest rates thirty seven percent. That's compared to right now, we have seven tax brackets from 10% to 39.6. So on the surface, it seems similar. But I will tell you this, every single tax bracket is is lower, except for that first 10% rate. Every single tax bracket is lower than what it was before. And the standard deduction 
will basically double. So a single person will be $12,000, married person will be $24,000. It's, as you may know, a standard deduction is what you claim. You claim the higher of that or itemized deductions. So less people will need to itemize, and the idea there was to make taxes simpler. They are disallowing exemptions, which is $4,050 per person. So you might think, well, families with lots of kids might be hurt by this, but then they doubled the child tax credit from $1,000 to $2,000. So I think, I think families with kids 16 and younger will probably, in general, still be okay. The medical deduction was retained. It's 17 and younger. Um, 16, actually, younger than 17. Oh, is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but yeah, keep challenging me because... Uh, no, I thought yeah. it was 17 and... Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. For that, it's 16 and it's yeah under 17 for that particular credit. Uh, medical deduction is retained. There was, uh, in the House bill, originally it was eliminated, but it's been retained, and, and not only that, improved slightly. In 2018, 2019, it's going to be 7.5% of adjusted gross income down from the current 10%. The, so that 7.5% was for people that were 65 and older? Right. And then if you're under 65, then it was 10%, but now across the board, it is 7.5%. Now, Anything over 7.5% of adjusted gross income is deductible as a medical deduction. That's correct, Joe, although it was going to switch to 10% for all taxpayers. I, I don't recall whether that was 17 or 18, but that was, that was coming. The state and local tax deduction, that's the big one. So California or New York or New Jersey, you pay a lot of state taxes. So that used to be a deduction on your federal return. No longer, with one caveat. You can actually calculate and, and include on your tax return your state and local taxes and property taxes, and then you sum up that total, and the IRS says that you can take $10,000. So if your property taxes are $8,000 and your income taxes are $8,000, that's state taxes, that's 16000 you can take 10000 doesn't matter, any combination of those two. The mortgage deduction essentially stays the same with one exception, and that is is at the, at the moment or before this law, you could borrow up to a million dollars on a property and deduct all the interest. Now it's down to $750,000. That would be the highest mortgage. But there is a uh, grandfathering rule. If you had the million-dollar loan before December 15th of 2017, you'll still get to deduct the interest on that loan. Uh, there is a bigger change, though, with regards to home equity debt. So home equity debt is when you like get a home equity loan and borrow the money for any purpose that you want to. The old law was you could deduct interest on $100,000 of debt. The new law is no deduction whatsoever, no grandfathering in. That starts in 2018. Charitable contributions have been retained. So that's good news for for charities and people that want to give to charities. Miscellaneous itemized deductions are repealed. They're gone. Unreimbursed employee expenses, tax prep fees, investment fees can no longer take those. Capital gains, no change there. There's three rates, uh, 0, 15, and 20%. So you're good there. Alternative minimum tax was one that we thought was maybe going to go away, but it's retained, but with higher exemption amounts. And Joe, I would say a lot less people will be subject to AMT. Virtually almost no one. Yeah, because the reason why you're in AMT is because of the state and local tax deduction, which if you can't take it, there's not going to be as many people in it. Right, because alternative minimum tax came into play with large deductions. That's why AMT came in in the first place. Yeah. And so while they're eliminating a lot of the itemized deductions or you know reducing them, 
um, it's going to be hard. And plus, now the EMT exemption right. um, is that much larger. It is larger. So it's going to be pretty hard to fall into EMT. Now, the only thing that may happen is is the rates are lower and the AMT rates stayed the same. So there is there could still be some people in it, but not as many as used to be. Uh, here's a big one. The state taxes, um, the exemption doubled. So now if you pass away... If you're single, $11.2 million goes to your heirs, beneficiaries, tax-free. Uh, if you're married, it's $22.4 million. If you have estates above that, it's a 40% tax rate. The uh, residential gain on sale exclusion, that's been retained. There was talk about making that less um, less valuable uh, in two ways, by making it that you had to live in your home five out of eight years and that there were phase-outs at certain income levels. None of that made it into the final conference bill. So it's so the $250,000 exclusion for single, $500,000 exclusion for married is still there uh, for um, somebody that's lived in their home two out of the last five years. Talking a little bit of taxes here today and um, kind of going through some high-level tax changes. I mean, we could really get into the weeds, but here's the thing, is that they try to make this simpler, right? And there's nothing real simple about this. Not not particularly, particularly when you look at small businesses, pet. (laughs) You all right there? (laughs) I've choked up over this tax laugh. You you look at- Big Al's about to cry. You look (laughs) But, you, know. <laughs> you look at small businesses, Joe, and, and so the idea was to lower the tax rate, but there are so many limitations on this. Certain kinds of business, like service businesses, don't qualify, and, and then it's like only a certain amount of your income you get a special rate on, and then it's, it's like then it's phased then it's out phased if, you out too if much. your income's too high, right. right? And all kinds of businesses don't qualify, so... Anyway, it's going to take a while to sort of wrap our heads around that one. Yeah, when you look at, and here's the thing too, when it, when it comes to the individual side, all right, they're like, okay, well, let's make this simpler. You can file your return on a, a postcard, um, yeah. and let's make the the rates from seven to three, and you know, no sure. deductions and all. It's like, okay, well, we still have seven rates. You're right. just kind of tinkering out around with with the rates, yeah. And then we got rid of you know some large deductions sure. that we could, so we have a lower marginal rate, but then we can't write off a lot of the deductions that we were used to be able to write off to right. lower our taxable income. Sure. So I have a higher taxable income at a lower rate. Does that equal lower taxes? Potentially or potentially not. It really depends yeah. on your overall situation. That's right. you got to narrow this stuff down to figure out exactly what type of planning is appropriate for you. Because I think the planning that might have been appropriate for you in the old tax law might be completely different with the new. And then there's, you know, different loopholes that will probably start screaming out of here because they push this thing through so quickly. Yeah. Well, I think first off, I think uh, a bunch of employees are going to try to become independent Independent contractors contractors. so they can get a lower tax rate. Exactly. I think that's a given. I think think certain companies will split into two companies so they have some of their income as pass-through and some of their income as a C-corporation to take advantage of, of lower rates. Right. I think there'll be more family shifting between members, so you're in different tax brackets to, again to take advantage of lower rates before the phase-outs. I mean, there's that, that's the thing about taxes, and and I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand that. I mean, I get this question: Why don't we have a flat tax, or why don't we have a simpler tax system? And I would love to have a simpler tax system, but then you start thinking about it, it's like, well, what does what does a flat tax mean? Well, it means what you just pay 10% on your income. That's the flat tax. Well, what's income? 
Well, salary. Okay, I get that. So do you get to deduct your 401k? Well, no, you still get to deduct your 401k. Well, what if you're a business owner and you, you're, you have your own business? You don't have a salary. You have, well, I, it's on the profits. So you have to have all those rules with regards to expenses. You know, what's, what's deductible, what's not. And if you sell a piece of real estate, do you have to pay tax on the entire sales proceeds? Well, no, it's only on the gain. Well, then you have to have all those rules, right? right. And, it, it, and then on and on and on. It, it, there's no way to make this simple. Now, I'm, I, I guess in, in a sense, they kind of did. And because they raised the standard deduction, less people are going to itemize. And if you don't itemize your deduction, deductions, it, it is simpler. Well, and, okay, and, well, and if you but, don't have anything unusual on your tax return. But some of the stats that I read is that right now 70% use the standard deduction. Thirty percent itemize, something like that. Did you? Is that a, That's a fair? Right. Uh-huh. right. Yeah, more itemize in California, of course, right. because of our higher taxes and higher wages. But, but yes. But you look at the median income is seventy thousand dollars. Yeah, even less medium, than that. A median yeah. household income, and so if you look at most people's income that, that are at seventy thousand dollars, God bless them, you know. But they don't listen to this show, and they're they're not necessarily concerned with taxes, right? And so the people that actually itemize that are paying a lot of taxes that are looking for different ideas and strategies on how to reduce it because it's our given right as a U.S. citizen to do everything we can to reduce the amount of money that we pay to tax. You memorized that, didn't if, you? Yes, yeah, because it's true, and I and, and I believe in it. I think it's right on. And if you understand the tax code, then it's like okay, well, let me just see what I can do legally to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to put more money into my pocket. I want to pay my fair share, don't get me wrong, sure. but at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I understand all of this. You can yeah, you follow the rules, you lower your taxes and that's the tax code is there for you. Right, and how many people and I I don't want to get political, but I I would imagine uh, how many people actually you think read the bill that voted for this? Not many. Not many. It's like well, okay, I, well I I I'm a CPA and I started to read it and there's no way I mean, first of all, it's like eleven hundred pages. So the 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 first five hundred pages, give or take, it's is, all legal it's, it's, it's legalese on. They quote the code section. We're going to delete this section and add this one and strike strike this word, add that, and it's like there's no way you could make any sense of that. And I understand if you're rewriting it and you you, you need that, but the the last five or six hundred pages is the is the narrative. That's a little easier to read, but it's still very complicated. And if you're not a CPA, even if you are a CPA, this is hard stuff. Right. And so can you imagine our senators and congressmen, congresswomen, do they have a chance to read it and digest it? Uh, unlikely. Exactly. Yeah. And right. I don't want to get political either, but the, yeah, that's the reality of it. And so what, what's, in my opinion, in my view, Joe, what, what, what will happen is there will be issues and inconsistencies with the tax law, which vir- happens virtually all every time because there's no way you can think through everything. In this particular case, I think it, this was kind of pushed through more quickly than normal, which probably means there'll be more issues. And when that happens, we'll have future bills. They'll call them technical correction bills. They'll correct whatever was wrong, whatever what they didn't intend to do. I would expect a fair amount of that over the next few years. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to take a, a little bit of time to digest all of this to kind of understand Really, how is it going to apply to your overall right. situation? Right. But I think the sooner that you jump on this, the better. I, I do too. Right? It's uh, most people do tax planning at the end of the year, 
And I, I think that's a bad move. I think you want to get a jump start on this in January to look at, all right, well, w- what's the code? What, what, what am I looking at here? Should I be deferring more in my 401k? Should I be doing more Roth? Should I do conversions? Should I not do conversions, right? To get more money into a tax-free component. Am I a small business owner? How do I set this up? Does an S-corp make even any sense anymore? Should I switch to a C-corporation, right? right? Or do I look at, if I'm a partnership, do I go to an LLC? So what structure business do I want to have if I'm a small business owner? You know, then all of a sudden you got all these, your, your employees, you know, so they're jumping ship to say, no, I don't want to be an employee anymore. I want to be a, a, a subcontractor. All right, well, that's great for me. Then I don't have to pay FICA tax on you. Right. Now you're responsible for that. And then what's the consequences of that? Sure. What type of business do you have? Is it a service business? Now, okay, well, if I'm in real estate or if I'm an architect, then I can write through the, and, and, and get the lower rates. But if I'm a, a, an accountant or if I'm in financial services or if I'm an, an attorney, a doctor, whatever, it, then no, that doesn't apply. It's like, what it, is it? It doesn't make any sense sometimes. So you have to understand all of this. So I would encourage you uh, to sit down earlier than later. With how much the tax landscape is changing, you probably believe that you don't have any control over paying taxes, right? But that's not true. In fact, you've got more control over how much you pay in taxes in retirement, more so than at any other time in your life. But your stockbroker, your financial advisor, even your tax preparer may not understand how to lower taxes in retirement because it's not their expertise. The only way to lower your taxes in retirement is by having a forward-looking tax-efficient strategy. Find out how you can legally pay fewer taxes than ever before with our new personalized tax reduction analysis. In this analysis, you'll discover techniques specifically designed just for you on forward-looking tax strategies to keep more of your hard-earned money in your pocket. There's no cost and no obligation, so you really have nothing to lose. Get your complimentary personalized tax reduction analysis by calling 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. Time now for Big Al's List. Every week, Big Al Clopine scours the media to find the best tips, do's and don'ts, mistakes, myths, and advice to improve your overall financial picture. This week, the top things no one tells you about retiring. Many of us do look forward to retirement, but uh, sometimes there's a few surprises that happen. The first one, number one, we can sort of comment on these whether you agree or not, but the first one is required minimum distributions can seriously raise your costs. And of course, they're getting into taxes. And a lot of times people retire in their 60s and they're living out their savings and they're thinking, gosh, I don't know what Joe and I were talking about. This retirement, there's, it's, it's tax-free. I'm not even paying any tax. And then 70 and a half comes by, and then now they got their required minimum distributions, which means you have to take money out of your IRA and 401ks. Uh, you may be taking Social Security at that point, which could be as high as 85% of that being taxable. So all of a sudden, you're in a much higher bracket. And also, Joe, I think a lot of people don't realize that every year that you age, you have to take a higher percentage out of the required minimum distribution. I've actually had people say, no, it's the you're, opposite. You're, you're the opposite because the numbers go down. And uh, no, that's the, divi- that's the division factor. In other words, you divide it with a smaller number, which is a higher percentage, if you think about that mathematically wise. The truth though, is that you have to pull more money out when you get older. You know, Al and I um, do a um, competency test to advisors that um, want to join our firm. And we've done this for the past 
I don't know. When did we start? Eight years ago? Yeah. Something like Doing that. Doing the test. Yeah. Give yeah. or take. Yeah. We, we made some mistakes early on. We we're like, you know what? I think let's, we probably let's, need let's to. Let's get into technical a little let's bit. Let's get little technical. I mean, it's not. It's a fairly easy it's test. It's hard. Yeah. We, we go over kind of a basic case. Right. And just ask them questions about the case. And I would say, and hundreds of individuals have gone through this test. Right. And how many. What percentage of advisors, and they have to be a certified financial planner. Yeah. And I don't want to rip on the industry, but I'm just saying this is how complicated some of this stuff can right. be. Right. Is that it, if uh, the average Joe, right, needs to understand all of this for their own specific situation, it's in this article. Number one, you know, confusion is that, wow, I'm going to be paying a little bit more ta- uh, tax, or these RMDs are a little bit different than I anticipated. Most advisors really don't understand it as well. Right. And it's I don't think it's their fault because the, the, the industry has been really good at helping and training um, individuals, advisors and brokers and whatever to help uh, help individuals accumulate wealth. Here, save X amount of dollars. Here's your portfolio. Get the right insurance coverage. Get an estate plan. Look at, you know, whatever property casualty insurance. But now you got this big wave of baby boomers retiring. Yeah. And it's, it's like, now, now it's. Oh, and oh, you don't have a pension. You have an IRA. How do we devise the cash flow strategy? Or right. how, do, how does that even work? Exactly. Yeah, we do. And you're sort of going to, not all the advisors do well. In fact, I would say the majority that come into our office applying for a job really do not do that well on, on this on, on On this topic. On, on, of, this, on this topic. On looking at tax implications of retirement income in retirement. Yeah. So it's, it's something to be aware of. And if you have a parent, who's recently in their 70s uh, or maybe now 75, 80, they, and, and they saved a lot in their IRA, they're probably complaining to you about these required minimum distributions. This is kind of the first time we're hearing about this because these accounts are not that old. Right. Yeah. Second thing, Joe, Medicare premiums can eat up your Social Security increase. Yeah. Boy, that, that's true. <laughs> I played um, golf with a client of ours. And he's like, Joe, why the why the hell does my social security keep going down every year? <laughs> and uh, and I was like, well, I don't think it's going down. I think the deduction is going down because your Medicare premiums are going up, and your Medicare premiums are deducted from social security. Correct. And your Medicare premiums are based on adjusted gross income, and it's means tested. So the higher the income you have, that's adjusted gross income, then that means your Medicare premium will go up. Right. And if, you, if you're if you not yet receiving Social Security, the way that they do this is whatever your benefit is, they subtract the Medicare premiums out of it. So you get a net figure. And so, Joe, on average, since 2015, Medicare, um, the Social Security check has only gone up $8 because <laughs> it's gone up more than that. But the Medicare premiums keep gone up. A, a, eclipsing that. And so don't necessarily expect to be receiving more and more in Social Security each year. Right. Even though the COLA on Social Security, even if your income stays the same, your Medicare premiums are increasing as well, just with, with their COLA factor. Right. Number three, it gets substantially harder to wait out of bad market once you retire. Oh, of course, because that's all you're doing is looking at your money when you're retired. <laughs> so many mistakes we've seen. People, they recently retire, and let's say they've got too aggressive of a portfolio. They hadn't really thought this through because they need cash flow. And so then they get freaked out and they sell everything. And now they've basically gone from one extreme to the other. 
It's very common. Totally. And, you know, when you don't have a lot of money, or when you're working and you're, you're, you're pumping away at your job, just throwing money at your 401k plans, you're not necessarily looking at it daily. But once you stop working, you got a little bit more time. And that nest egg, man, that's a, like you're looking, that's ticking time bomb. Yeah, I, I cannot let this thing blow no. up. No, because when you're working, you don't even think about it. It's right. like, well, I don't because you don't need it. I, I don't care. It, it'll, it, yeah, it'll, it, it goes up, it goes down, but it tends to go up over the long term. And I, you know, and I'm adding to it. So if it goes down a little bit, I don't even know because I, it's actually going up because of my contributions. Right. Here's number four. You could finish retirement, which I guess is another way of saying you die. You could finish retirement <laughs> with a larger nest egg than you had when you started it. That's yeah. definitely true. Absolutely. And if we, that's a goal. Yeah, if that's a goal. And I, sometimes we'll have people come into our office that say, Joe, Al, I want to spend the last dollar when I right. die. I want to bounce the last check. Bounce the, the last check. The kids are fine. You know, I don't really have any charities. I'm just going to. And then we look at their spending, you know, and we, we look at their bucks. assets. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're spending, let's just say, 50000 a year. And we look at their pension, Social Security, their required distributions. They could be spending 150000 So we say, well, all right, well, then you need to spend 100000 more. Right. No, There's no way. It's impossible. Right. Maybe maybe 5000 more. Right. But I'm, but I'm, pos- I'm not going to end up with a, a dollar. It's like... Well, there's something has to happen. Either you, there's going to be a big pile of money, or you're going to give a bunch bunch of money to your kids, or to charity, or you got to start spending more. Right. And it does happen. In fact, uh, savers are, are saved, awful spenders. They are, and that's why they save. Yeah, and, and we got to prod them to spend. Yeah, we, we do. Spend more money, please. <laughs> it's hard to turn that off though it's, when, it's, you're, well, when yeah. you're used to doing that. All right, I think I got time for one more. You still have 24 hours in your day, seven days a week. And they're getting into, you got to fill your days because depression is a widespread issue among retirees. Yeah. When you're bored and you're, you know, having tequila at 10 (laughs) a.m. Is that your retirement? (laughs) Could be. (laughs) Could be. (laughs) That clear liquid. Well, Um, but you know, it's, it, it happens. An awful lot of people are now going back to work after they retire, not so much because they need the money, just because... They want to be productive. They want to be productive. They want to have a a group of friends. They want to socialize. They want to have a reason to get up every morning. Then there's lots of people that are totally happy volunteering or gardening or whatever, but just make sure you got something to do. Yeah. Oh. If you didn't... You know, some people are petrified of, of retiring. Right. You know, I think at first they're like, yes, I can't wait. And I'm so done with this job and everything else. And then they get into it six months in. Is it everything you thought it would be? Oh, well, not really. <laughs> kind of bored. <laughs> kind of bored. In fact, yeah. I'm uh, trying to get a consulting job. Yeah. So don't let that happen to you. There's things that you can do right now. Taxes do not stop when your paycheck does. In fact, tapping your retirement nest egg comes with all sorts of new rules and opportunities. Instead of contributing to tax-deferred plans that reduce your taxes, you'll start tapping those savings for income and paying taxes at your regular rate, unless you're tapping into a Roth IRA. So as you near retirement, tax planning becomes more important than ever. But you must use a forward-thinking tax strategy because you actually have more control over paying taxes in retirement. More than you think. Actually, more so than at any other time in your life. 
Find out how you can legally pay fewer taxes than ever before with our new personalized tax reduction analysis. In this analysis, you'll discover techniques specifically designed just for you on forward-looking tax strategies to keep more of your hard-earned money in your pocket. There's no cost, no obligation, so there's really nothing to lose. Get your complimentary tax reduction analysis by calling 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. Of course, Joe and Big Al are always willing to answer your money questions at that number too. Or you can just email them to info at purefinancial.com. Hello, Joe and Alan. Faithful listener here. Nice. I've heard you mention those folks with a good 401k with a Roth component. He goes, I have a TSP being a govy. Okay. At first, when I read this, I was like, I Gubby. thought he was saying groovy. <laughs> like, what the hell's groovy? That was a word from my generation. Gro- yeah, groovy. That's yeah. when I think of groovy. Yeah, I think of um, Greg Brady. Yes, that would be perfect. I think of bell bottoms and leisure suits. Totally groovy. Yep. Uh, so Mike has a TSP. Okay, it does have a Roth component okay. within the TSP. Okay. However. I was told that they mix all the money together. This was one uh, from one of the folks teaching a pre-retirement workshop. These are just contractors hired to teach uh, these courses. Then TSP just keeps track what is before tax in Roth. That way, when you remove funds before tax, um, when you refund, uh, let's see, that way, when you remove funds X before tax, percent is taxed, and the other percent Y, Roth, is not taxed. I was wondering if you have the real breakdown on this. Well, Mike, of course we do. <laughs> Came to the right place. All right. Well, this sounds like a question for you. Well, this is how all 401k plans work, is that you put dollars into a 401k, either pre-tax or after tax, right? I think you get a tax deduction, gross tax deferred when you pull the money out, you pay ordinary income tax. Then the Pension Protection Act of 06 came along and came up with the Roth component of a qualified 401k plan, 403b, TSP, 457, so on. And so it took a while for some of these bigger plans to adopt. The TSP adopted the Roth component a few years ago. So now if I'm a government worker, I have the option to do a pre-tax election to let my monies grow tax-deferred and then pay tax on the way out. Or I can put an after-tax election to go in, then the money grows, right? And then when I pull those monies out, it grows, it, it, I pull it out tax-free. Tax-free, yeah. Okay. Or you can do a combo. Oh, sure. I could do 10000 pre-tax, 10000 after-tax. Sure. Whatever you want to do. Up to 18000 if you're under 50, 24000 if you're over 50. In a couple of weeks, it's twenty four five. That's right. Or eighteen five. <laughs> 18, right? Okay. So uh, the question is, it's like, okay, well, what the, what, what the hell are they doing behind the scenes here? Yeah, what are they doing? It's just record keeping in a sense. It's, I, I don't know what they mean by bundling it all together. You're putting dollars into funds. All right. Mm-hmm. You do actually have two separate accounts, but it's it's all consolidated on one statement. And there's a record keeper there's uh, that's behind the scenes of saying, okay, th- these are pre-tax because it can't be bundled as one. It doesn't make any sense. You can't really commingle. You they, can't commingle. I've heard, it, I've heard the term sub-accounts so that you have, you have one TSP, but it has a sub-account of a regular TSP and a sub-account of a Roth TSP. Well, sub account is actually a mutual fund like account that's in a variable annuity, but well, I digress. Uh, well, jeez. <laughs> no, I've actually heard it used in that context. Really? Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, look at the big brain uh-huh. on Big Al. 
Because if you think about it like this, if it's all mashed together, well, you have $1 that you put into one fund that was after tax. Yeah. And maybe you used the, the S fund, right? And then you have another dollar that you put in pre-tax that's in a G fund. Well, which one is going to grow more over time? The G fund is right. The, it's the, in cash. It's cash, basically. It's going to give you in stocks. So right. Probably the stock fund. Probably the stock fund. Yeah. So I want the stock fund to go in the Roth because then all of that future growth grows tax free. That would make sense, right? Yeah. So they do that behind the scenes. Got it. All right. So they, in Al's terms, they have sub accounts, right? You have your pre-tax monies and you have your post-tax monies, but then you get a consolidated statement and you get one statement that says, here's your TSP balance, $300,000. And then it might have sub lines on it. Here's post-tax, pre-tax. Right. Okay. So it sounds like, it seems like it's co-mingled, but it's not. It's not. And then when you pull the dollars out, all right, it's then, this is where it gets a little bit more convoluted because it's pro rata. So to make it real simple, I have $400,000 in my TSP. I have $200,000 in the Roth. I have $200,000 in the traditional. Okay. Okay. Half Roth, half not. So 50% Roth, 50% non-Roth. I take a dollar out of that account. How's it going to be taxed? Well, you're saying pro rata. So 50 cents tax-free, 50 cents taxable. Right. So it's like okay. So you well, can't choose. You can't choose. They're gonna. It, it's if I had seventy five percent pre tax, twenty five percent post tax. I take a dollar out. Seventy five cents is going to be taxed. Twenty five percent is going to be tax free. I see. So it's so they're going to do that pro rata calculation when you take those dollars out, and then they send the the, the forms to the IRS and blah blah blah. So that's why I'm not a. I, I love the Roth four hundred one k. I love the Roth TSP. I love the Roth. I mean if. If you've ever listened to the show, and Mike, he says he's a faithful listener, right? So he knows that we, you know, we're big fans of tax-free income in retirement. But what I'm not a big fan of is keeping it in these plans, right? Because the, then, like Al just said, you can't choose. I want to pull fifty thousand dollars from my pre-tax to pay the tax only on fifty thousand dollars, but I want to pull another fifteen thousand dollars out because I have added living expenses, but that might pop me up into a higher tax bracket. I want to pull $15,000 out of my Roth. Well, you can't do that because it's all going to be commingled and it's going to come out pro rata. So in that sense, it is commingled, at least on the distribution. So you but, have to roll the money out. Right. But right. So if you roll the money out, you can actually take the Roth component and roll that into a Roth IRA. And you can take the, the regular component, roll that into a regular IRA. Now you can pick and choose. Exactly. Two different accounts. Right. Then I'm saying, hey, I'm, I'm pulling 50000 from my retirement account. I'm pulling 15000 from my Roth. Oh, wait a minute. I need seventeen five from my Roth. Pull, you're not subject to those pro rata rules because now they're two separate accounts. Right. And then you can have a lot more control, I mean, over your taxes. And I think that's the key component. I mean, now with this crazy tax law, you got tax brackets all over the place. You know, you got no itemized deductions. We got a bigger standard deduction, no um, exemptions, but I got child credits. How that, you know, how are you going to control all of this is key. 
You've probably been with the same stockbroker or financial advisor for years. But friendships aside, when's the last time you formally reviewed your portfolio? Are they actively managing it? Are you considering or having conversations about Social Security, taxes, health care, and Medicare? If not, you're missing some critical pieces of the retirement puzzle. And these things could make a profound difference in how far your money could go in retirement. We'll prove it to you with our financial assessment. We don't just talk about stocks and bonds and mutual funds. We get into actionable strategies on how you can pay fewer taxes, how to wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits, how and when to withdraw money from your retirement accounts, plus inflation, health care, Medicare, and so much more. We talk about how to make every dollar break a sweat and go further in retirement. Your initial analysis won't cost you a dime, so you've got nothing to lose. Call 888-994-6257. What you learn in our assessment process could change everything. Get yours right now. Call 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. This is um, Barry. He's in NorCal. Okay. Joel, I have a few questions regarding Social Security that I need some clarification on. All righty. So... Barry, uh, he's 64 and will turn 66 in 13 months. I'm aware that my benefit will continue to grow 8% a year until age 70, which would grow 32% over four years. Given the annual increase for 2018 was 2%, and let's assume for the time being that the subsequent increase for the next four years will also be 4%. Will my net benefit actually only be 6% a year? So I think what he's confused on is two things. One is that there's a cost of living adjustment on the Social Security benefit. And then there's also something that's called an 8% delayed retirement credit. So once you reach your full retirement age. So when you turn 62, people get this confused too. It's like you could claim your Social Security benefit as early as age 62, right? So if you take it at 62, it's actually a reduction of benefit from your full retirement age. It's not like they're in, it's an increase to your full retirement age, but how Social Security looks at it is not like, all right, well, from 62, let's just say 66 is his full retirement age, just to keep it simple. Sure. Is that it's not an 8% increase from 62 to 70. What happens, you just got to work backwards. From 66 to 62, you would get a 25% permanent haircut. Okay, so let's do some numbers. So, so it's about six and something yeah. percent yeah. per year. That so, so that, let's say you, you were going to get a two thousand dollar benefit at age sixty six. So if you take it at sixty two, it's roughly fifteen hundred dollars. You got it. Now it's a little different because the full retirement age is sixty six and two months. Yes, but this is roughly true. So there's two things that Barry needs to consider: is that all right? So if he waits until full retirement age and doesn't take his benefit. So right. now he has his full benefit, in your example, Al, $2,000 per month. Right. So he's like, all right, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to wait until age 70. Right. So he's going to get that 8% delayed retirement credit on top of his full retirement age benefit. Right. He's also going to get the cost of living adjustment as well. It's, it's both. It's both. Yes. So it's 8% credit plus whatever the cost of living adjustment is on the social security benefit on his full retirement age. Right. So the 8% credit per year over four years, he'd, he'd be getting a little over $2,600. So that, that shows you a pretty big difference. You take it at 62, it's 1500 
You take it at 66, it's $2,000 a month. You take it at 70, 2640 And that's assuming zero cola. Zero cola, zero cost of living, right? So when you have the cost of living on top of that, it adds to it. Is, is correct. So anyway, so that's good news. Uh, so Barry, you can wait. And, and of course, the question is, should you wait? And, and that's a, it's a different answer probably for everybody. But I think the, the basic rule I would say is this. He's as, got uh, two more subsequent well, questions uh, as, as Well, I'm talking to the rest of our listeners. I got it. As, a generali- as a generality, if you can afford to wait cash flow wise and you're at least you or your spouse are in reasonably good health, uh, then waiting would be a good idea. All right. So here's the second question. He's considering working at age 67 and not taking Social Security. Then at 67, will my earnings be part of my 35-year average and thus increase my monthly benefit? If so, is the 8% annual increase based on my earnings from 66 or age 67? Or will the 8% increase supersede any possible increase I may get from an extra year of working? Got it. So again, what happens is this. They take the highest 35 years of your Social Security benefit. No matter which they are. No matter which which, which, age, whatever. And it's indexed with inflation. So they'll look at 35 years of earnings. And if you worked 35 years ago and you made $40,000, well, that could be equivalent to $200,000 today. So, right? so they, they adjusted the current dollars. You got it. Based upon their inflation factor. And so they'll say, oh, 35 years ago, you actually made higher than you have today. You know, you, you, you know maybe it's a lower right. dollar amount. Even though it's a lower dollar amount indexed with inflation. Yeah, okay. Right? It, it. Inflated adjusted, it was higher. Got it. So they're going to take the highest 35. If you do not have 35 years of work history, let's say you have 30, then the five years that you don't have, they're just going to put zeros in those. Got it. So it's an average over 35 years. So now I'm 67 years of age, all right? And let's say I take my benefit at 67, my full retirement age, I take my benefit, but I'm still working. Okay. All right. So, and as I'm still working, I'm making more money than I did, and so those higher earning years are going to um, take place of the lower earning years, right? right? Right. So they recalculate that benefit each year. They're never going to. You're, you're. They're never going to take money away from you once you reach full retirement age. Your benefit will only increase if those earning record years are higher than any of the preceding thirty-five years that you had. And it, it could never decrease. It will never decrease right? on you. Because either you replace like a part-time job with zero or it just isn't counted because you got other higher years. So let's say I didn't work. I mean, I didn't pull my Social Security at 67. I wanted to pull it at age 70. That 8% delayed retirement credit is based on your full retirement age benefit, right? And your full retirement age benefit is calculated on your highest 35 years, Right. Does, that, does that make sense? It does. So once I reach 67, that doesn't mean the clock stops. And it's like, no, if I'm still working to 75, they're going to still use those dollar figures to calculate my high 35, right? And so my benefit will continue to increase if that were the case. If I was totally maxed out and I maxed into the system because you put in $120,000 into the system, right, roughly, give or take, right, then that's you stop putting into the Social Security system, right? So if I've maxed out and I've reached the maximum limit, well, then I'm good. But each year that I work 
if it's higher, they're going to drop the lower years, they're going to add the higher years, and that's going to increase my overall benefit. So don't be afraid to continue to work. Or if you can, let's say if I work and I'm only making $30,000 a year, when I was making $150,000 a year, it's like, oh, are they going to average this now lower year in? Are they going to take it from me? No, they're not going to lower your benefit. It's the highest It's year. the highest 35 yeah, years. Yeah, I think something else, Joe, that people get confused about is full retirement age, which for 2017 is actually 66 years and two months. It's actually it's changing as we speak and because they're trying to get it up to 67 years of age. If you take your benefit before full retirement age, then there's could be a reduced benefit. So the first few years, uh, starting at 62, you can actually only make $16,920. That's in 2017. If you make more than that, you start losing some of your benefits. And then in the during the year that you reach full retirement age, uh, you can make no more than 44880 But once you hit full retirement age, you can make anything you want and still collect a full benefit. So, yeah, and that, that, that gets even more complex. And we can um, kind of recap that because they don't actually take it away from you. They're just recalculating your benefit. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, you're right. right. You're right about that. So they 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 take away the benefit that you got, but it doesn't mean it'll affect your future benefits. It's, it's actually going to increase your mm-hmm. future benefits since you didn't get to keep it. You got it. Mm-hmm. Well, well, no, because it's more complicated than that. But I'll explain it when we get uh, back from the break. Okay. For even more useful information about Social Security, as well as retirement planning, investing, tax planning, small business strategies, and much more, visit the Learning Center at YourMoneyYourWealth.com. We've got a retirement readiness guide, an estate plan organizer, white papers, articles, webinars, and hundreds of educational video clips on just about every personal finance topic that affects you. It's all available for free on demand in the Learning Center at YourMoneyYourWealth.com. If you need more help, you can always email us at info at purefinancial.com or pick up the phone and call 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. We're answering some email questions here. Barry from NorCal um, had a few questions for us in regards to his Social Security benefit. And Al, we've kind of gotten the weeds here in regards to the um, earnings phase-outs. And why that came into effect is that if you take your benefit at age 62, so prior to your full retirement age, and if you're still working full-time, right, you're, you're not necessarily going to receive a, a, a benefit. If you make more than $17,000, roughly, right. right? And then once you reach your full, the year, once you reach your full age, um, your full retirement age. So assume my full retirement age is 67. My birthday's in June. So the year... So from January to June, that would be my full retirement age, June 26 or whatever year. Right. right? So that six-month time period, then I can make up to $35,000, give yeah. or take. Yeah, forty four eight eighty. Forty five thousand. yeah. <laughs> so, so what Al was saying is that if I'm, if I'm working, collecting my benefit, and I take it early, it's like, well, once you make more than $16,920, every $2 that you earn, they take a dollar back. Right. And they just assume that you never claimed it. Right. So, so in other words, it, you're, you'll still get that benefit later. Right. It's like if, if I didn't take it's because if I take it at 62, remember, you get a 25% permanent haircut. Sure. 
And so uh, I take it at 62. I'm still working full time, right? I'm making $100,000 a year. So I'm way over the 16920 So I'm going to blow out and phase my whole Social Security out because every $2 that I make, they take a buck back. And so that first year, I get my benefit. But then the following years, I'm not going to receive a benefit. But then once I reach my full retirement age, I will receive my full retirement benefit. They're not going to give me that 25% permanent haircut. But however, that first year when I do reach my full retirement age, okay, they are not going to pay me my benefit until I pay them back of what I received in that first year because I shouldn't have got it in the first place. Right. Because the Social Security Administration doesn't know how much you're making until you file your tax return at year end. Right. And then they'll say, well, what the hell are you doing, Clopine? Why did you claim this benefit when you're making $100,000? Right. So then they'll take it back, but they're not. You're, it's not like, oh, they're stealing from me. How many times do I hear that? Well, and they don't, they don't make you write a check. Right, that you just get reduced benefits until it's made up. Right. Is, is that a fair way to say it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right, this is the last question that we have from Barry. He goes, my wife is five years younger than I and will eventually be getting a spousal benefit at her full retirement age. Okay. Will she be getting 50% of my current benefit at the time she turned 66 and eight months? The benefit when I started Social Security or from my FRA at 66? So she's going to take it at full retirement age, yes. which we'll presume is 67 or who 66 knows? and eight months. 66 and eight months. Okay, perfect. 66 and eight months. Okay. So when she turns 66 and eight months and she claims her spousal benefit, yeah. she will get 50% of your full retirement age benefit. Yes, that's whatever the full retirement age benefit is calculated. What, 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 even if you took it early, if he, if he takes it at sixty two, it doesn't matter for the spousal right. as, as long as she waits until her full retirement age. Right, and if she, she could take it early, but and then it would redu- be then reduced. it would reduce if she took yeah. it at sixty two, which she could. Yes. but she's not going to receive fifty percent of his benefit. She would receive thirty three percent of the benefit. She would get a you know a, a haircut on the fifty percent. Yeah. So I guess to use numbers, if we're saying uh, if Barry's benefit was two thousand dollars at full retirement age, uh, if his wife takes the spousal at her full retirement age, then it would be a thousand bucks. Now it'll be higher because of the cost of living. Right. Right. So he's looking at the statements now, man. He must be getting in down to the penny. He is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he's like, okay, well, no, if I get this 8% delayed rate. So here's another, uh, on the flip side of that, let's say Barry waits until he's 70, right? And, and the wife doesn't take the benefit. So now his benefit is 3200 sure. So does she get 50% of the 3200 No. The answer is she, she only gets 50% of your full retirement age benefit, whatever that benefit is calculated at at that time. Got it. So, so now, that, now let's think about this. So, so she she's thinking I'm going to wait till seventy to get a higher benefit, and so there's really no there's really no higher benefit. There's so, no reason so, for her to wait so, to take. So, the so she basically lost four years or three and a half years of payments, and those are lost forever. The only the eight percent delayed retirement credit is only on your own benefit. On the taxpayer themselves. It's yep. not on mm-hmm. the spousal benefit. So right. if I'm claiming a spousal benefit, because why you would claim a spousal benefit to begin with is that you're claiming the spousal because the spousal, your spouse's half of the, your spouse's benefit is larger than yours. 
So that's why people take the spousal benefit. Right. Right. So you're just maxing out as much money as you can. And it really doesn't work that way either. What they do is they give you your benefit, whatever your benefit is. Right. And then, and then they shore you up. They make up the difference. They make up the difference with the spousal <laughs> benefit is how it works. That's not complicated enough. Well, I, and I do have a real life example of, of a client of ours in the Los Angeles area. And they, they were both 68 years of age. And the spouse was going to take the spousal and was basically waiting to 70, assuming that was the highest benefit. And we said, no. You should take it right now. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Right. It, it, so what? The only thing that would matter is that it's yeah because it's, now the whole system works. The the, the the really creative claiming strategies went away a couple of years ago. Right. And now it, it's something that's called deemed, um, where you can't say, well, let me cl- claim this benefit, and then I'm going to switch over to mine. Um, you know, c- some of those. Th- those claiming strategies yeah, are gone. You can't do that anymore. And so now to claim the spousal, your your spouse has to be claiming. Cor- right? Yes. It, Currently. Yeah. And for me to claim a spousal benefit, my spouse needs to be taking their own benefit. Right. And that that didn't used to be the case a couple of years ago. Well, but they had to file for their benefit. They didn't. Suspend, yeah. They yes. didn't actually have to take the benefit. Right. But the the example here is we had her go ahead and and file for the spousal benefit, and not only did they start paying it. And I don't know how they calculated this, but they gave her about six months in arrears. Yeah, that's what they, they'll, they'll yeah. only make up six yeah. months though. Yeah. So, so if you blew up two, three years, you're, you're only so, going to get paid. So she so she lost a year and a half. Right. That's gone forever, but she at least made the last a couple six months. months. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, this stuff is complicated. If you take a look at, you know, someone facing retirement today and then it's like, all right, well, when should I take my social security benefit? I'm married. Should I take mine right away? Should, what's going to happen to the system? Right. Is the system going to be solvent? So you got the whole political side of that thing. Or just claiming strategies of how does the spousal benefit work? How does the survivor benefit work? How is my benefit going to be taxed? Should I take my benefit to let my portfolio grow? Or should I pull from my portfolio to get the 8% delayed retirement credit so I can get a guaranteed income stream from the government? But now is it going to be means tested later? In the, I mean, there's so many different obstacles that you have to take a look at to really have a true retirement plan. And I think Barry's right on. He's looking at every cent, every penny. And I think that's what most people should be doing, right? And then asking good questions to figure out, okay, am I on the right piece or track here? Does this make sense? Or how does the rules actually work? And what is going to make the most sense for me? Because what makes sense for Barry is probably the opposite what, what, you know, for someone else. And so listening to you know, podcasts and radio shows and TV shows, I think people sometimes... Sometimes we, we do a disservice, to be honest with you, because they might only hear three minutes of what we're saying, and they're like, oh, yep, that's exactly what I want to do. So I don't want that to happen to you. All right, and that's it for us. For Big Al Clopine, I'm Joe Anderson. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. We'll see you next week. So to recap today's show, RMDs, Medicare premiums, and just plain old time may affect your retirement in unexpected ways. Make sure you've got a plan for retirement before you jump in. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is changing our taxes in a big way from brackets and deductions to Altman and small business rules. Get your tax house in order. Call 888-994-6257 to schedule a tax reduction analysis now. And another Christmas has passed, hopefully without any cussing in church or stealing the scene, the nativity scene, that is. All of us here at Your Money, Your Wealth wish you a very happy, healthy, and prosperous 2018. 
Subscribe to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com through your favorite podcatcher or on iTunes, where you can also check out our ratings and reviews. And remember, if you've got a burning money question for Joe and Big Al to answer on Your Money, Your Wealth, just email info at purefinancial.com or call 888-994-6257. Listen next week for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Your Money, Your Wealth opening song Motown Gold by Carl James Pestka is licensed under a Creative Commons license.